we all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical mental suit, my physical as well as my mental suit fitness. Coffee time. All right, welcome back to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. I'm Jason Floyd, your host, and uh, we're welcoming two folks into the studio today. Uh, first of all, we have uh, on deck here, we've got uh, Ashley Keithley uh, from Seldovia Fishing Adventures, and then we've also got special guest Don Boston. Uh, welcome, Don, into the, the cafe studio. It's Thanks. good. Thanks. Good. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. And then uh, through the the magic of uh, Bluetooth and uh, cell connection, we have Ashley joining us. Uh, Ashley, where are you at today? I'm actually hanging out in my living room in Seldovia, looking across Cook Inlet. <laughs> so how I have to ask you, how's the weather down there? You know, it, if you don't like the weather, we say wait five minutes. And today was one of those days. <laughs> I <laughs> woke up and it was blue skies and sunny, and I said, I'm going to go for a run today. And, of course, I waited until the rain was haunting me and I could see a squall back behind the mountain. So yeah. a little gray now, but well, still y- nice out. Yesterday I had a, a good friend of mine who uh, his, his daughter was going to have just a, a small wedding and uh, not much ado about anything, and she was going to have her big wedding next year. And, and last minute they said, no, we're all just going to do it at Captain Cook. So I woke up in the morning, it was raining cats and dogs, and I was like, oh, bummer. But by the time, you know, we got out there to, to cook in, uh, Captain Cook, it was, it was blue sky. We had the most beautiful sunset that you could hope for. Beautiful wedding, probably about, I don't know, 50 to 100 people there. Uh, not the small wedding that they had planned, but uh, still pretty special. So you're right. Wait five minutes. Uh, so... We have invited Ashley onto the show today because Amalcan Coffee, uh, the social club, has been really working hard uh, to provide members with some pretty outstanding benefits. And one of the things that we're offering now is uh, we have a loyalty rewards program that includes a small jackpot and a large jackpot that we uh, draw names from at the end of each quarter. And I've reached out to some folks who have advertised with us in the past. We, we, you know, go ahead and promote other local businesses and entrepreneurs with uh, business cards and rack cards and things here in the shop. And I was going through those and I came across uh, the Seldovia Fishing Adventures, reached out to them, and they were gracious enough to offer us a, a package uh, deal for our first major jackpot uh that'll be for our premium uh or elite members the folks who decide that they want to go ahead and help ammo can capitalize its uh future developments through paid memberships so ashley will you tell us a little bit about what uh what your business is offering sure we are offering a trip for two people um all you have to do is get yourself to seldovia which is always kind of a choose your own adventure you can either take a water taxi over here or fly over here, but we're giving two people two nights stay at our bed and breakfast, which is right on the water here in Seldovia Bay, and one day of winter king fishing. So a really cool deal. And what's great about it is we did that so it's not someone alone. They can bring their friends. 
but there's also the opportunity that if you had a couple other friends that wanted to come, it would make it, you know, a cheap getaway for to add just two more people on and yeah, find no. something fun to do in the winter. <laughs> yeah, and so so we talked a little bit about this when I when I first inquired with you guys and and this is sort of an evolution of your business uh, model. It sounds like you, you're opening up a different part of the season that typically you wouldn't be uh, opening the B&B up to. Um, uh, so, so what kind of timeline are we looking at here for folks uh, if they, they, they're lucky enough to, to win this, this great getaway? Yeah, so this will be, they'll be available to book it anytime for this year between December, uh, December 1st and May 10th. After May 10th, we switch over to what we call our summer season, and we go into uh, multi-species trips, and it has become our high season. But if somebody couldn't use it for this winter, we could also use it the next winter, too. But we were just excited to have the opportunity to reach kind of more the local folk, which is who we're hoping to give that opportunity by staying open year-round now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went on the website today just to refresh my mind about uh, about your facility and, and what you offer and uh, was taking a look at that boat that you guys have, a 28-foot Fishwright pilot house boat. Looks like it's a pretty nice <laughs> twin 175s on it so you can get out to the fishing grounds, get your, get your, uh, your limit and get back in comfort and style and, and speed, it looks like. Oh, yeah. And we just, our newest addition as we're coming into winter is we have a brand new diesel heater that we just got installed last week, actually. So you could be nice and toasty now. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. When, 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 when you said winter Kings, I'm like, well, shoot, <laughs> hey, yeah. it can get downright chilly in the winter and you get out on that water and the wind and, you know, but diesel heaters, they work good. I, I fished in Bristol Bay and slept beneath the diesel heater and it kept us toasty. But, um, yep. And, uh, and one other thing that we offer, we, we offer quite a few things that make us different than a lot of the other charters, um, around. And one of the other things is that you don't necessarily have to bring hardly anything with you except for your warm clothes. So a lot of folks will come over too and be like, gosh, you know, I don't really have adequate rain gear. I don't want to have to buy anything new. That's one of the things we actually offer too, is I have boots, bibs, rain jackets, in all sizes so um it really doesn't take a lot for somebody to come over and have a trip with us it is a bed and breakfast so they also get a home-cooked meal each morning they're here and we also pack on the lunch and sodas and water on the boat so all that people are going to be responsible for is dinner so so for dinner what what are your options in soldovia in the winter time, there is usually one option but it's a pretty awesome option it's our local linwood bar and grill Okay. And uh, it's it's a good hometown bar. They've got really good food as well. And the other thing that's nice here is we're less than a half a mile to there. So once you're here, whether whether you get a little ride with us or not, it's a quick walk right down the street to everything in town. So well, and the, pa- the, the pace boat. of life in Soldovia is a little different than than the road system and. Uh, you know, when I think of going on this this trip, because I, I really would like to do this someday, uh, I think of you know two days away from the kids, the dogs, the business, mm-hmm. just just a, a different pace of life. Being able to walk down a country road and not be you know creamed by somebody coming down the down the street trying to get to the beach to go dip netting or something, you know, which is always a a terrifying uh, pro- possibility here in the summer 
with our tourism. <laughs> but, um, well, we really, yeah. we really appreciate you coming on today. And I'm just going to let our listeners know that uh, keep tuning into the show because we're going to have uh, Kelly and, and her husband uh, now, now does he does he go by the moniker Captain, or uh, how how does Chris like to be called? I call him Captain Chris. I don't know if that's what he likes or not, but I think it sounds fun, yeah. especially because it rolls off the tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll we'll have just refer to it that way. Okay. Well, we're we're planning on having uh, Captain Chris uh, Keithley and his lovely wife Ashley on the show to talk about their Alaska dream and what brought them to Seldovia, uh, sort of the roundabout ways they traveled and uh, how they have arrived at this station in life. And, and just what uh, that what that means, what it looks like, and and uh, hopefully we can vicariously live a, a day in the life of the Keithleys, and and that'll uh, give us uh, some encouragement to actually go visit them, patronize their business, and uh, and promote uh, the tourism there in Seldovia and on the on the peninsula. Thank you for joining us, uh, Ashley. We'll uh, we'll give you a call and schedule that that interview here in the next couple of days. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for having me today. Thank you so much. All right. So uh, that was Kathy Keithley. And um, now we're going to switch gears and go over to another uh, local entrepreneur. Uh, You may know him. uh, You may have heard of him. Uh, His name is Don Boston. And, you know, I've lived in the community since 90. Uh, I came up here and lived in Nikiski, grew up out there, got a got my uh, high school diploma as a bulldog, but uh, I've always driven past Boston's, and uh, Boston's has expanded in recent years. How, how, how long has it been, uh, Don, since you moved over to the big building? You know, I, I built that building, I think it was like six or seven years ago. It's like time flies when you're having fun, because <laughs> it seems like just a couple years ago, but it's, time is going by fast. So, so when you when you first started your business, was that a was that your goal to end up with a place like that, or was it just you you just needed it because you'd grown to the point that you you couldn't exist without it? Well, I had no idea it was going to be so successful. I knew you know I was going to start an auto shop, and I picked Subarus because they're such dependable cars and relatively easy to work on with good engineering, and they do great in the snow, and so. So I picked just Subarus, and I started with a one-car shop with a wood stove and a flashlight. Had no electricity, so <laughs> and a wood stove in the corner for heat, and and it was nice. I loved it, and expanded to a very, very successful business. Now, um, I don't ever recall you being a particularly political guy. Uh, you know, your your shop has been on the sort of a mainstay here in the Central Peninsula for many years and i don't recall seeing a lot of signs but but it seems like signs are like flowers these days at your shop there's all kinds of signs all over the place um tell us a little bit about that well you know i started i started getting into politics a little bit when i was fighting the city you you guys have probably seen those stop the forced annexation signs around town those are pretty much all my i put most of those up and the city of sodana decided to you know, to annex me, and, and which I understand a city needs to expand. I mean, I get all that, but they drew a line down the business district of Ridgeway and left all the residents out. So all the tens of thousands of dollars that they were going to get would go straight to Soldotna, and not one penny, not one red cent would stay in Ridgeway in our community, and it just infuriated me. So, so I started fighting back, and... 
And in the process of fighting back, I met some incredible people, like the women of the, the Republican women of the Kenai, some of the most beautiful, wonderful people you'd ever care to meet in your life, and they're unsung heroes. They're there all the time trying to make our, our world better and our community better, and, they're, and they're, they work is just amazing what they do. And so I started asking for help to fight the city, and that's how I met all these people, and Kathy Sturman, um, who I met, I just adore that woman, and she uh, she kind of asked me to do this because, well, I think it's it's the, the assembly needs to be a little more, I guess, to the right. I guess you would call it. I'm not right or left so much. I just I think I'm more of a common sense kind of guy, and uh, I, I would just like the assembly members to remember that uh, we're in the same community together that they are no more or less important than any of the rest of us on the street. Yeah. And that when we go to a public meeting to talk to them, that they don't sit on their dais and look down their nose at us like we're some, uh, what's the word, deplorable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> undesirable, uh, somebody who's just uh, inconveniently annoying them. You know, and that's, that's, that seems to happen a lot. Um, there are some good people in... I think 90% of the, of the decisions that, that the assembly makes are, are, are correct. But, you know, the, the contentious ones are, are the ones that really matter. That you, you need to have a more of a balance between one side or the other. And usually most issues is, is a down the middle of the road ending, and that's how they should be. And that's why, you know, I'm running is... is try and get that closer to where it sh- where I think it should be. So now you're running for the seat that's currently occupied by Tyson Cox. And uh, recently Tyson made uh, news with his laydown. And we, we actually had the opportunity to interview um, one of your colleagues, uh, or soon-to-be colleagues if, when you're elected, um, uh, last week. And... He was talking about how that process went down, but but Mr. Cox had had brought a document to the um, to the borough, and it was given to the assembly members. I believe it was around noon of the day of the assembly meeting, in which it it uh, basically said that the assembly needed to vote on placing Mike Navarre into the borough mayor's uh, position, and 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 uh, we had a long conversation about laydowns and their purpose and how they're generally frowned upon being used unless there's an emergency. And uh, so far, nobody's been able to outline an emergency to me that necessitated uh, the borough assembly taking up this issue without properly providing a public notice and the availability for a public hearing on how the replacement borough mayor would be held. Um, what would you do differently given the opportunity to occupy the seat now uh, occupied by Mr. Cox? Well, and the thing is, is what I, I really don't understand is they obviously had the votes t- to get Mike in, and I think Mike is qualified, and they had the votes to do it. It's just, for the life of me, I do not understand why they, they, they had a special assembly meeting for Charlie's, um, I guess we'll call it an assault accusation. They had a, a special meeting for that. They couldn't have a special meeting for something as important as replacing, you know, the 
the, the mayor for this for this while. I just I it's just I'm flabbergasted. People should have the right to at least voice their opinion, and there should have been more than just one picked. And, and so, but they, you know, they, they had the votes anyway. So for the life of me, I don't understand why they brought this hammer down on their heads. I mean, it was a self-inflicted wound. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, really you look around and you, you see what I see is I see lots and lots of, of examples of voter disenfranchisement where voters feel like their ballot isn't going to get counted, it doesn't matter, um, that uh, there's a lot of question about the, that has been brought into the light recently about how many people are on the election rolls to begin with at the state level, how many should be there, how many should be removed because they're dead or have left. Uh, there's a lot of voter integrity questions. And... Um, and when the assembly ramrods something through like this, in context with all this, all these other questions and uncertainty about our electoral system, it just, it, for me, it begs a question: is like, what, what is the ultimate goal here? Do do they actually, do they actually, and then maybe this is more of a rhetorical question: do they actually want public involvement or not? Because if they do, you know, that's not the way to win friends and influence people. You know, by not giving, giving the public a hearing. Yeah, and, and there again, it's it's they could have had public hearings. The vote would have ended up being the same because right now the the assemblies basically nine to two on the on the left side of most issues, and so there's two conservatives. Hopefully, there'll be hopefully two more soon. But oh, didn't you hear? Those are nonpartisan seats. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're very quick to remind us that it's a nonpartisan race whenever whenever these these uh, municipality or borough elections come up. Um, speaking of annexation, where where are we at on that? Well, actually, um, I've been fighting them for years, and the city every time we win a battle, the city finds a way around it. And last last thing they did was the boundary commission has said that they have to let us vote on it, and the city of Soldatna basically found a loophole in the law to take away our right to vote. So the boundary, Science! the boundary commission, <laughs> sorry, the, 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 uh, the, the, the idea that we could have a voice and go to the boundary commission and uh, provide adequate grounds to, to make our argument and then have, that kind of response from the city. That's what I think of Yeah. when, when you're talking about what the city city's attitude has been. Yeah. It was horrible. Is this, is this, we don't want to hear from you. We don't care what you say. We don't care about the grounds that you bring or the case law or the, 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 the statutory sort of parameters of how this annex is done. We're just going to tell you, shut up and sit down and we're going to keep going. Well, they had, you know, town hall meetings, and they had one at the at the local high school over here, and overwhelming support for uh, for against against this annexation. You know, and the same thing. People are saying, "Look, if you want to annex us, fine, give us the right to vote on it, and that's the way it should be." But they found a loophole to take our way right to vote. Ninety-eight to two, I think percent. Ninety-eight percent were against it, and they heard all these. And when it's all done, they basically said, "We don't really care what the public thinks because we have votes to do what we want." So anyway, um, 
we won in court the other day, and as far as it is right now, we stopped and dead in our tracks, and annexation is, is not going to happen. I am really looking forward to figuring out a way to go to Juneau and get it stopped on like a constitutional amendment or something like that. I'm not sure what, but I want to like to stop it um, statewide so we can just put an end to all that nonsense. Well, you know, uh, you look at like Eagle River, right? They, they were they were incorporated into the municipality of Anchorage. And they've had this long-standing beef that they don't, they don't get the services that they should for the cost of being part of the municipality. And there's a, a active and growing movement in Eagle River to separate from the municipality. And, uh, you know, as a business owner myself here in town, I look at everything the city does, and there are lots of things I'd love to be able to vote on and my business has to pay a you know sales tax as yours yours does to the borough now that you're outside the city limits yeah. but i have to pay a sales tax to the borough and the city and so that's 6% right off the top of of our of our uh, income you know margin and but i don't live in the city and so i have no say even though my business is uh, is here even though i'm conducting commerce here i there's there's uh there's no representation for me in that body. And so you look at businesses like yours, and I know a lot of those businesses over on K Beach because they're facing the same thing. They were talking annexing portions of K Beach as well. You know, they moved out of the city for a reason. And the, and the fact of the matter is, is that once you get inside the city limits, the red tape that the city piles on you as a business owner to open a business or operate a business is ridiculous. And... Um, uh, we struggled with that. That's part of the reason we're in our current location now. I purchased a building at one point. I had a local business owner, Gary Hinkle, down at uh, the uh, River Terrace RV Park, had offered me premium frontage on the on the highway there, and said I only had to pay him for three months out of the year. Wow! To put a coffee shop there, but when we went to the city to get their blessing, because you have to do everything through their permitting process. They said, well, no, that would institute a new enterprise on an existing lot, and Mr. Hinkle would have to make, a, it was like $1.5 million worth of improvements under their new uniform code, uh, where he would have to pave his driveways and get off of his water uh, handling and treatment system. He's on a well, I believe, in, in, and uh, his own septic treatment system. And, and then for me, they said, if he does all of that, then you would be required to connect to our systems to water and sewer. And, and the price that they quoted me was between, and this is a broad field, between thirty dollars to $100,000. Well, That's before I ever sell a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, and if they annexed us, we, wouldn't, we would get none of those services. The only service that they would provide us would be they would take away the troopers and put city cops in there and everybody i talked to is happy with the troopers we, we got our our systems are set up fine and as far as water and sewer we can have it now but we have to pay for it right it, it'd be like for probably cost me half a million dollars to get it hooked up if they were to annex me the price would be the same they don't provide it for free and then you you have to pay for it annexed or not and then you got to pay the monthly bill 150 bucks or whatever the whatever the monthly bill is and so the services would would we get absolutely nothing for it nothing well you know you had you had a neighbor there next to you uh, i'm i'm not quite sure who's running the building now they're selling snow plows now but but games guns 
was yeah. co-located. We're next to you. Right. And uh, Jason Game is uh, a good friend of mine, and he, he and I graduated high school together out in Nikiski. And, you know, he first came to Soldatna and put his gun store down the Peninsula Center Mall. And uh, he had so much business, uh, he, and he didn't have the space to do what he needed there. And one of the things a gunsmith needs is they either need their own range or they need what's called a snail. It's something that you test fire a firearm into, and it, it catches the bullet. Well, he had a snail installed in the building next to your building, and it was outside of city limits. Right. But this whole annex, annexation thing came up, and he made some initial inquiries, and the city of Soldatna does not allow the firing of firearms in, in city limits. And they were not going to make an exception for him, grandfathered or not, because he didn't own that building. He was leasing it. Yeah. And so he ended up moving out of the city, and he moved up the hill. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm hopeful for in, in just um, seeing new faces on the assembly, and I'm sure that some of our listeners would agree with this, is that, you know, the, it seems that the government has become very concerned with making sure it takes care of us all. And I would like to see a borough assembly that removes barriers to successful business and creates a more friendly business environment and then passes that influence on along down to people like the city of Soldatna and, and says, look, you know, if, if these folks in your outer edges don't want it, you know, we're going to support them. And um, what, are, what other issues in the borough assembly have you been looking at? Well, there, there's there's been a handful, and like the gravel pit has been a, a big one, and and uh, I've been trying to trying to learn more about gravel pits. I mean, realist, really, who knows about gravel pits other than the people that you know run, run them? And yeah. so, so there's a lot to learn in a short time. But I think that that more regulations is really really a bad thing, and and. I understand, you know, you get a little dust or noise from gravel pits, but my God, you got to have gravel. And if you build your house next to a gravel pit, then that's what you get, I, I think. And if if somebody wants to start a gravel pit next to your house, that's a different story. Right. And and there was, they're, they're talking about putting down some regulations on them, and I, I thought they should be, each individual one should be looked at and you kind of go from there, but I was told by my opponent, I, Mike, Tyson Cox, and he, he was, uh, has access to the, the borough lawyer and stuff that you can't just issue regulations on one and not the other, which I find is just absolutely ridiculous, but I guess that's the way it is. Uh, you know, the regulations are, are, if they want to put one in, they should take away 10, and, and that would be a good way to start. If you make a regulation on one thing and you have to get rid of 10 redundant ones or unnecessary ones or how about this we have we have uh it's already established case law and it's something that's addressed by the u.s constitution that the government cannot take your property without just compensation and regulations are a form of taking in especially in the case of these gravel pits somebody buys a piece of ground and they sit on it and don't develop it, or maybe they go into an area and they've proved up the gravel reserves and, and, uh, and it's open and there's no, no pre-existing restriction on the ground, and they buy it, and then 
one year, two years, five years, or, or let's just say the day after they buy it, the government comes along and says, oh, no, no, no. You cannot develop that gravel now because we have decided in our infinite wisdom to restrict the development of gravel pits in these different ways. Well, that's a taking. That's taking your monetary uh, value of that property away. And um, if, a, if the government were to come in and give you fair market value for those gravels that now they're going to say you can't develop. Um, you know, I've had one of the folks from the gravel pit argument come in and talk with me, uh, Ed Martin Jr. And um, he, he talked about how, and I'll probably get the numbers wrong here, but it was something like if you had a five acre piece of land with gravel deposits on it, under one of the proposed uh, uh, regulations that the borough was making, they were going to require something like a 400-foot setback from every, every property line. And on a five-acre parcel, that it basically took that, the value of that, that mineable land down to something like two acres. Yeah. And, and so you've just, you've just taken a majority of the value of that land and tied it up. And they've done the same thing with the riverfront development. You know, all these people that buy these, these postage stamp lots on the Kenai River. And they want to put a cabin in and stuff. And then, and then they, they pass this law that says you can't develop anything. You can't touch the trees. You can't do anything without getting, kissing the ring and getting the blessing of five different agencies, you know, within 50 feet of the riverbank. Yeah. That's another taking, you know. And so that's what I'm hopeful for. Uh, it, I'm, I'm very excited to see. Um, uh, now, the election is on Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday. Just coming up. It's a couple days away. Yeah. So what I can, what I can pledge for you, Don, is, is uh, we will publish this podcast today. Uh, we'll put it on our Facebook page. It'll be available to you to push out to your, your followers and, and the folks that are supporting you. My hope is that we can get enough traction between now and Tuesday to help push you over the finish line and get some different fresh faces uh, in, in the borough who remember that they serve the public and not the other way around that, that uh, even though they get that position that yes, they are given the public trust, but that means that they have to keep the public's trust. And when you do things behind closed doors and you ram stuff through when there's not an emergency, like what they did with Mr. Navarre here, when you go around and find all these loopholes, you've got all these deep pocket lawyers that can come in against the private business owner and say, we're going to take your property. I mean, when they annex you, when they when they annex you, uh, they're taking your property because now they've cut into that margin. Because if you become a business in Soldatna, three percent of your sales now have just been evaporated, because now you got to pay the Soldatna sales tax as well. You know, and I, I dear again, I I don't understand why these, you know, these people do what they do. They they vote to take away our rights and. And I, I just, I, I guess I just don't understand it. I don't believe they're bad people. I, I think they're probably all are good people. They just, they just um, think different. I, I, I'm a little more cynical. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't <laughs> understand why they would do that. I mean, if, 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 if they're not representing the people, then why, why are they doing it? See, I, I don't understand. I think, it. I think I, the I answer just, might come from a place of tribalism. I think that that there was a time when we were less tribal as a society. But that over, at least in my lifetime, I'm 45, that our culture has become increasingly tribal 
to where we're divided between sectarian lines, whether it's party or religion or, or, uh, or you know, you pick your issue. Maybe it's social issues, you know, like the LGBTQ thing versus family values versus the right to life folks versus the, the, the uh, pro-choice people. And, and that the, all these camps emerge and that it's no longer about community. It's no longer about na- being neighbors. It's about my people, my tribe, and I'm, I'm only going to represent their interests. And so you get these special interests that get, in tr- get, get their hooks into people in the assembly or, or in state government, and they curry favor with them, and then they start making decisions based on that tribalism. And it's, and it's not this middle-of-the-road, let's make the best possible, you know, compromise and the definition for compromise that i see is nobody's happy (laughs) you know when you walk away there's some kind of a solution and everybody's uncomfortable all sides all special interests are like they're not tickled pink but a compromise was reached between everybody you know and i'm I'm hoping i i'm hoping we get a lot of compromising going on over there i'm i'm uh i'm not a wacko on either on anything you know i'd like to think i'm pretty uh down the middle of the road kind of guy um but common sense should dictate a lot of it, and and there again, like I said, I you know I think I'll be able to work with these people very well, even though I don't agree with with a lot of the way they vote. I think we will work together very well, and I, I just I just can't believe that that they're bad people. I think they are good people. They just for whatever reason just don't think the way I do, and that's all. And so and, and that's fine. Uh, I think that if people would vote more, we'd have a lot less of it. I think you're right. That that position so we, right there. You so few people vote in these local elections for school board, for city council, for borough assembly. So we can go out and fight and fight and fight and do our darndest, but if if only, you know, 3% of the people vote then it's, it's yeah, that's what we need. We need more people to actually vote and I think if they did, we'd have a more even government. So had this annex issue not come up, do you think you would find yourself in a position where you feel like you need to run for public office? Do you no. think you, it, was that where you were progressing? Was that something in your sort of your wheelhouse that you thought maybe someday you would run for office? You know, I, I, a lot of people have asked me over the years, I've had 40,000 invoices in my shop, which means that 40,000 people have had their cars worked on that I've talked to probably 90% of them. And we talk politics a lot, and a lot of people have asked me to run for office. Um, I kicked it around a little bit, but you know, I'm like right now, I'm working sixty hours a week. Right, so I know I na- do, nailing you down for this interview was. <laughs> so if I so if I do get elected, I'm going to hand the keys over to the kids, and it's going to be a big. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt me financially. It's going to hurt me in a lot of ways. But but I owe it to our community to to do it. I, it's been so good to me. You know, I gotta, I, I, it's worth it to me to pay, to pay it back and pay it forward. I think that, uh, and I, and I think I'm really going to do a good job. It's going to be a big learning curve. I don't have a clue about how a lot of this stuff works, but I'll figure it out. Like I, there's, there'll be nine of us now. I'm sure they'll help me get through the first, you know, first little bit. Well, they, they, uh, they do have some classes and workshops and things. I'm sure that they will, uh, encourage you to participate in yes and uh i watched this happen in juno i had the opportunity to go down and work for a legislator recently and 
and that's what they did with all the freshmen. Yeah. And sure. when a freshman had a question about, well, I don't think that should be, why do we have to do that? You know, that seems wrong. No, no this is the way it's done. It, it was kind of like a big dysfunctional high school. If you, if you remember high school, you know, coming into high school as a freshman, right? You got all the upperclassmen up here, the, the football stars and the basketball jocks, and, you know, and, and they lined you out pretty quickly as a freshman on how things were run. You know, here's your order and things, and we might invite you in to our group, you know, yeah. as long as you follow the order of things. Well, politics is a lot like that. And so I would just in, encourage you, ask you, don't drink too much of the Kool-Aid when you get there because there's going to be a big picture of it on the table, and they're going to say, you don't know a lot, and we're going to teach you everything you need to know. And, and I think part of the problem with our systems today is that, the people who get elected, they get kind of cowed once they're in that unfamiliar environment with a bunch of people who've been there for a while. And they you know, get told, you can't do a lot of things. You know, I see that, too. I've been watching them um, vote, voting and some of the, on some of the, you know, the easier issues. And a lot of it is vote along to get along. And, and I, can, I can assure you that, that is not me. I'm I'm not a politician. I'm a I'm a hardworking, honest businessman, and and I I'm not going to vote along to get along. I just it's just not who I am. I've been a bo- I'm a born fighter. Yeah. You know that's how that's why my business. You know I started. I got I had no place to turn around. If I get in trouble, it's all on me. I don't mm-hmm. have a dad or a mom to help me. I got no spare bank accounts anywhere. So if 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 I run out of money, it's all on me. Every bit. It's, it's been that way all my life. But that, that also, I think that speaks a lot to your character. Now, how many people do you have employed through your shop? Right now, I got like five of us. You got five people. That's five households. Yeah, five people depend on, on uh, the work that comes out of that shop. And and, the, and pretty much every pound of work that comes through that shop is built on your good name. Pretty much all of it, yeah. Yeah. And I have a fantastic crew, and I've trained them all. It's just, we got we got a virtually zero comeback rate so we have, you know i have a really good reputation in town and i would ask anybody that if you're not sure just call, you see my bumper stickers all over town just if you see one on your friend's car ask them yeah and uh you'll see i mean so, i have a good reputation so let me ask you this don if if you don't get the traction and we don't like to really talk about the negative side but there is a downside you know i i supported uh christopher kirka for governor he didn't make the the cut you know in the first round of of rank choice voting so he's out. Um, if you don't make the cut on this this vote on Tuesday, are you done for politics, or, or are you going to keep hammering away? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I was talking about the Republican women of the Kenai. If you're a man, you can uh, join now. So I'm going to. Uh, you're going to become one of the one I'm of the Republican one ladies. Of their, yeah, I'm going to become <laughs> one of them, and and I'm going to support like Tuckerman Babcock. I'm going to support him. As a matter of fact, after Tuesday, I'm going to shift gears and see about getting like Ron Gillum and Tuckerman, you know, some of the people that I, I think would make a, you know, would do a great. And when I asked for help, mm-hmm. they were there to help me. And so, you know, God bless those people. And, and it's, so win or lose on Tuesday, I am going to start campaigning and do as much as I can. You're going to stay active. I'm going to stay active. Awesome. Yes, yes, awesome. Saying. Yeah, that's that's I think that's so important. You know, I mean, how many people do do you know who have run for office and have not made office and then they just vaporize, they disappear. 
Yeah, I, I plan on, on, on uh, like I say, the Republican women of the Kenai, there's just amazing women. And the, um, the Republican uh, conferences that I went to, and it, there's those, those women are just incredible. And, and, they're, and they're fighting every day for us. And so God bless them as well. Yeah. So that, that was an important thing that you brought up, though, that men can join and, and help the ladies. And, and I think that, that that's reflective of, you know, I've talked about this before as far as uh, the status of whether you're a Christian or a believer or not, um, uh, I am. And in the church, there's a problem. Guys don't step up. And ladies do most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, you'll have the pastor up there on the stage, maybe a couple of folks on the worship team, but and maybe an elder, you know, on the woodpile. But generally speaking, a lot of the stuff that gets done in the churches— is done by the women. And that's not to say anything negative about women. The women are the glue that's holding our the fabric of the remaining fabric of our of our culture uh, together, our conservative culture together. But uh, but we need some warriors. And I my hats off to you for stepping up for, you know, uh, being a busy entrepreneur and and a, and a business owner and and you know, in charge of a lot and responsible for the welfare of your 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 workforce. And, um, but saying, I'm going to add one more thing to my list of stuff to do, and I'm going to step up and serve the community. That's huge. And I think if more men took on that responsibility, that civic duty to not just punch the clock at the end of the day when the shift's over and unplug and disassociate, you know, but said, okay, I'm, I just got off work. Now I'm going back to work that we would have a much better community. And that's it. And they need to vote. My God, just, you know, train your kids to vote and explain to them how important it is. I talk to a lot of people say, well, I don't I don't vote no more because my vote don't count. It don't matter. I'm so sick of this. Like people fought and died for their so that we could have this sacred right and to just not use it. If you don't use it, you will lose it. And you will wish you wish that you didn't because. Bigger powers will m- compel you to do things you don't want to do. Yeah, I mean the right <laughs> the right to vote is 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 what's built this country, and if 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 you don't use it, we will lose it. And so I just everybody, please, please, go vote. Even if you don't vote for me, which I I think you should, but vote. It's important. That's yeah. how we. That's how we're going to have an even-handed government. So the other thing that you can do aside from voting is. Get in touch with the Alaska Independence Party. Get in touch with the Alaska Republican Party. Get in touch with some of these ladies. If you don't know where to start, they'll line you out. They'll show you where to start. They'll provide you with the support, the tools, the resources. They'll uh, put you in contact with people who know the answers to questions maybe you don't know. Um, But uh, we need more good candidates. And there are a lot of good people, but, you know, it's it's like, this job that pays like four hundred dollars a month, and so you know, I figured out if I do my homework, that's going to be like eighteen cents an hour, and so that's that's uh, if you're lucky. <laughs> so you know, you got you got to you got to take a pay hit too, and a lot of people just can't afford it, and I understand that too. It's 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 a it's it's going to hit me hard. Well, let me uh, let me shift gears. I want to get your your perspective on. On something, I've been driving around town and I've been noticing these, uh, all these uh, signs popping up about the Soldatna Field House. Oh are, are you oh. are you familiar oh. with the Soldatna oh. Field House? Oh my God! There's another one. I think, 
I think sometimes people just sit around and they're going to hate me for saying this. <laughs> I, I, I don't think, want to sabotage you, but, you know, I think this is an important conversation. I think they just sit around and figure out a way to spend money. We're, we're talking about not having enough, enough money to maintain the buildings we have. We got to go with the bond to pay for the schools to just for the maintenance and disrepair that, that, that should have been done. But it's a money crunch, so they're going to. They're going to build another sports center right next to the empty sports center we have so they can pay the heat bills and, and on two of them. And, and then 10 years from now, I'll be screaming for more money for maintenance because we didn't do the maintenance on it because we can't afford to do the maintenance on the buildings we have. Well, you know, there, I spoke to a, a, one of our customers, a, an older woman, yesterday, and uh, I asked her what she thought. And she said, you know what? She says, you work your whole life to pay for your house. You get it close to paid off, and the stupid city comes along, and they want to, buy, they want to bond for one of these feel-good projects that serves a small segment of the, the, the community, a special interest, and they want me to pay for it out of my property taxes. They want me to pay for it. I've worked my whole life to the bone to get to where I'm at, to be able to enjoy a little bit of retirement and not be overburdened in, in my, my taxes on my property. And what are they going to do? They're just going to tack on another, another couple hundred bucks here and there, and it all adds up. And, and I think that people lose sight of that when they, you know, the, the folks that sell those bonds, they're like car salesmen, you know, it's got the new car smell, y'all, you know, uh, look at the shiny rims. Hey, we'll even install ground effects for you and a kick and stereo system. Isn't that going to be great? Let's forget about the six to eight hundred dollar a month cost you have to have to have this this unnecessary vehicle that's way beyond your means, and that's ultimately what we're talking about with this with this field house. I mean, that's my opinion. No, and I, not only that, they're talking about you know you can use it for like small little gym in there, and they're going to have a little walkway and stuff. But what about the the people over here with the with the you know the small gyms that they ran out their equipment to every day. So why is it why is the city in the business of putting small, small business businesses out. out of business? And, yeah. and there again, I I I I think they just think different than us. You know I what? You know I what? I, would, I don't understand it. I just I just can't wrap my mind around it. You know what I would be for? And there's probably a lawyer out there to tell me that this is illegal. But um, what I would be for is for the city to I don't know. Get out of the way. <laughs> the borough to get out of the way. And rather than say, let's bond for this thing because we have some really loud special interests over here. Why not say, look, if you come to us with a plan that shows how you as a, as a private entity or a, a, a nonprofit even or, or some kind of a, of a collaboration of different businesses want to build a facility that's going to be managed and run privately... And you're going to meet certain parameters that we set out about you have to be open to everybody and you have to be able to, you know, accommodate such things and, you know, some conditions in there that we're going to streamline the permitting process. We are going to put a a 10-year waiver on property tax assessment if you meet these benchmarks, but they are very publicly minded. But now all of the risk is transferred on to people who actually want to do this thing you know i talked with do you know robert peterkin have you met him before i have not 
Robert Peterkin's a local entrepreneur. He's um, his family has Peterkin distributors. I think his brother owned Magtech uh, at one point. And Robert Peterkin, uh, I called him up because I was I was interested in opening an indoor shooting range. And I had a lead on one. It all fell apart. I, I didn't end up getting enough uh, investors. But, but the conversation we had was around, I asked him for advice because similarly in Kenai, at one point, there were a bunch of people that they wanted ice because they couldn't get ice time at the Central Peninsula Sports Center. Okay. And all their kids, you know, they were skaters. Right, they wanted right. to build their hockey program, but they didn't have good ice. And they didn't have access to ice like they needed it. And so the city of Kenai had, had said, well, we're going to fund X amount of dollars towards the building of a, of a facility. And it's there next to the Challenger Learning Center now. But I, I can't remember. I think it was they were, it wasn't a million dollars. I think they were like $300,000 shy like the facility was going to be $1.3 million to build or something like that. Right. And Peterkin's a skater. You know, they're a hockey family. All right. And he was like, this is stupid. We can't get this thing put together. We, I know, I know people who I can put the money together right now. And basically what he did was he went around to these successful entrepreneurs, business owners in their own right, and said, look, would you put up $25,000? Would you sign on the line to be on the hook for twenty-five grand to finishing this complex? And he got enough people together on the day that they were supposed to take the boat at the city council to give their million dollars they'd set aside for the project to a different group. They showed up and gave him a cashier's check for the balance nice. of the quote and said, we're going to go ahead and, and cover the rest of this. And ultimately, they got paid back. You know, and the project went through. But my thought is that if if some local folks can do that for three hundred grand, why can't they do it for one point five million? If it's a good business model and it'll make money and it's sustainable, and you can cover the costs, then the free enterprise, the freedom of the the spirit of free enterprise, and and these industrious people with good ideas in our community should be able to pull it off without the government bonding. And then everyone who uses it, they're all winners. And there are no losers because the losers didn't have to pay for it. The folks who would have lost in the bond scenario. But the government so often gets in the way with zoning and planning and taxes and tax assessments and the fire code and all these things. And we know that all these things, you know, at some level come because of safety issues. Or maybe something bad happened over here. They said, well, we need to make a law. But uh, I think that if the government were just a little more creative in their thinking, that we could see things like the field house come about, but in a way where there was true community ownership of it. Not, not these you know, elderly folks who are never going to use it, who have spent their whole lives paying off their homes, and now they're getting saddled with the tax burden. Yeah, and, and, and I will bet you that if they do build that field house that, I may go in it once in my life, maybe twice. I don't know, but it, I'm not going to use it. And there will be some users, but the majority of the people paying for it are never going to use it. And right. there's that, too. And, and, and all those restrictions you're talking about, that is why one of the reasons why I fought this annexation so hard. Right. Well, you know, uh, Sterling. Sterling has their community center. Beautiful facility. Have you ever been in that 
in I, that? I have not. Okay. Well, if you if you go out to Sterling, you go on the the upper end of Robinson Loop where it hits the Sterling Highway, right there by Sterling Equipment Rental, um, right. in the elementary school. Um, it's a beautiful facility. I've I've been to a couple of friends of the NRA banquets there, you know, um, but it's a it's a it's a government owned and run institution, you know. It's yeah. it's uh, run with under non nonprofit sort of uh, framework. And um, it meets a need, but there's a lot wanting, left wanting on the facility. And um, community centers are always, you know, kind of a a lead balloon because they are a sunk cost that you're never going to get back. And and, uh, oftentimes they're mismanaged. And they end up costing more than they ever bring in. Uh, you can look at the, the teen center in Kenai. I mean, I went to that when I was a kid living out in Nikiski. We'd play basketball in there and stuff. At some point, the city decided to give it over to nonprofit management with Boys and Girls Club. And the last I heard, it was just this big lead balloon, you know, that they, the roof was wearing out and they couldn't couldn't maintain it and, couldn't keep the costs and, and there again they want to build a field house with the same thing yeah and, you well, can't and, afford it and they put and they put that group that boys and girls club in charge of it and when they did that it came under this this management of a third party it's a government facility came under a management of a third party that wasn't ultimately responsible for maintenance on the grounds but then they limited the scope of their users to only those that were approved by the Boys and Girls Club programs. And, and so, so what was meant to be this big community facility got more and more and more restrictive on who could use it until it finally ends up being a place that I don't take my kids to, you know. Yeah. And um, so you're going to have opportunities, man. <laughs> Well, yeah, the issues are not, you know, limited. I can, I can see that. And, and uh, I don't want to, from the time I get elected, it, if I get elected from that time when I take office, I got a lot of homework to do, and I, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> I heard that some of those packets can be upwards to, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 pages long. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. You got to consume all that information and, and make some informed decisions <laughs> on a monthly basis. Well, my hat's off to you for being willing to step up and uh, serve our community. It sounds like you have a heart for service. We are uh, approaching uh, 54 minutes of the hour of power. My guest has been uh, Don Boston from Boston's Automotive. Uh, Don, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Are you running any kind of uh, winter specials or any kind of promotions right now through the shop? No, our everyday low prices are. <laughs> our, our, we'll be, you know, we'll we'll keep our everyday low prices. Although it's tough with this inflation going on. I hear that. You know, one of the things that we're doing uh, here that that I'm I'm promoting, and you heard a little bit of that at the front, is that we're looking to build a community center. We want to take the social club idea f- from the coffee house to something larger. But instead of going to the government to look for grants and loans and, and things like that, we're going to our membership. And we're saying, look, invest in us and we'll invest in you. We're going to do these programs. We're going to increase this type of opportunity and access for you. We're going to bring in high-quality entertainment. 
Uh, we're going to eventually be doing some youth programming. We already have 50 to 100 youth here every Tuesday night. Wow. You should come in, just I poke sh- your head I in and see that. the energy of that room. But, uh, you know, um, people value organizations that serve their kids. And uh, we want to do more of that. Uh, our space is not large enough for that. And uh, so we will be uh, reaching out to you, our listeners and, and our members, uh, giving you more information on ways that you can do that through paid memberships and through our loyalty card um, and through business affiliation. You know, we, we just opened a store online that uh, uh, we have put a multi-vendor um, portal into the back end of it. So that local business owners that want to promote their products to our membership, which exceeds 3,000 people at this point, are, are registered members, where they can directly market to those folks through our store and sell their products. And so the idea is that we raise, we raise the success rate of conservative businesses and that those conservative businesses then turn around, do what you're doing, Don. They run for office. Or they fund a campaign of somebody who's going to run for office that's going to come through with good, strong, all-American, patriotic, conservative values. And uh, the, the, the idea that there's something called private property. There's something uh, called freedom left, you know, in your business model. Free enterprise. And uh, that too much regulation is often a killer for the economy and we don't need a dead economy right now uh in case everybody forgot um i just wanted to remind people of a promise that we received earlier we've been doing this every show now for the past couple of shows but guess what if you elect me i'm not gonna have you your taxes are going to be raised not cut <laughs> so so uh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hold, hold fast. Have courage. Uh, our fearless leader has promised that we will have uh, raised taxes, not cut taxes. And um, with that, uh, is there anything you'd like to say in closing, Don? Yeah, you know, like um, you know, all the business owners out there, you know, sponsor a baseball team. I've sponsored many of them. You know, the kids' sports. You can you can start with that and keep our kids out of trouble. And whatever you do, please, please, please get out and vote on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday is super important. So uh, call a friend. uh, Offer to pick somebody up. uh, Offer to take somebody to your polling place. If you don't know where your polling place is, on Monday, call and find out where your polling place is so that you're not rushing around at the end of the day on Tuesday wondering what to do and then miss out. You know, I talked to a friend of mine about this last election that happened, the first, you know, crack we had at ranked choice voting. I asked him, so did you go vote? He says, ah, it was the first day of school, I got busy. Yeah. Running kids around. That happens a lot. And he didn't vote. And he's got an opinion. But your opinion doesn't matter if you don't do the simplest thing. Step into that booth, make your mark, and identify who you want to represent you. You've been listening to the Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon, sponsored by Ammo Can Coffee Social Club. We look forward to seeing you next week. Come on into the club, see what we have to offer. Join the fight. Stay upright. Don, we'll see uh, how things turn out on Tuesday, and then maybe do a follow-up interview with you. Okay. Thanks for having me. Have a good day, everybody.